Our scripture lesson today comes from the wisdom literature found in the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's share in God's good word together. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Envy, jealousy, comparison, they will suck the joy right out of any moment. This week we're going to look at envy because today, now more than maybe ever, we can see and compare our lives to more people and more places than ever before, and it is all right at our fingertips. And if we're not careful, it will make us miserable. Envy robs us of contentment and causes us to feel like we're chasing after the wind. But envy doesn't have to get the best of us. My name is Mark Foster, and today we are in the third week of our series, All the Feels, When Emotions Get the Best of Us. I don't like to admit this, but if if I'm not careful with my thought life, every good gift God has given me, this is tough to say out loud, even some of the greatest gifts God has given me, I have the ability to diminish when I compare them to what I think I see in other lives around me. My last vacation was perfect. Well, until I saw or heard about yours. My fill-in-the-blank, my friends, job, family, car, home, even church was great until I compared it. The good news is God has a better plan for you. Let's get started on working on our new and better life together. Not where we compete, but where we love and cheer one another on. We're going to make sure that envy does not get the best of us. As a way of introduction, we are in this third week of our series, and we remember together that what God cares about is not our religiosity. It's not how we pray with our hands in the air or on our knees or with our hands folded just so. It's about our hearts, and it's always been that way. The wisdom literature known as Proverbs says it like this, Above all else, above everything else, friends, that's quite a statement, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And so in the first week when we got started, we looked at the words of Jesus. And what Jesus says is this, is that what we say and what we do, well, that's the real us. It exposes our heart. And so in Matthew 15, it says this, But what comes out of the mouth, these are, this is Jesus speaking here, What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. When what we say and what we do hurts those whom God loves, we find ourselves in trouble with God. Because who does God love? Everybody. We say things like, well, that just wasn't like me. Well, yes it was. You just didn't want people to see that part of you. And we say, well, I don't know where that comes from. And Jesus says, I do. It came from your heart. And wouldn't it be great, friends, if we let Jesus so come and live in our hearts If we would let God help us stop undermining the very success we desire. So that when stress comes on every side, when we live through a pandemic, what comes out of us is what's inside of us. And what's inside of us is the love and joy and peace of Christ. Wouldn't that be great? But to do that, we have to monitor what's going on inside of us and what's going into us. What we see, what we hear, what we read, who we're talking to what we allow to stay in our minds. 
Last week, one of the things we wanted to make sure and get rid of pretty quickly is guilt. Guilt is good when it leads to action. Kind of like guilt is to your spirit, like pain is to the body. It's a warning. It's a marker that something's not right. And if you take action, wonderful. It really helps you get back on track. But it can be super destructive when it lingers and it leads to shame. So last week we talked about guilt. This week we come to envy. And envy has the potential to ruin what is most valuable and important to you. Let me say that again. Envy has the potential to ruin what is most valuable and important to you. And why is that? Because comparison makes us arrogant when we're successful. A few things go your way. You you make an A on a test or you're the fastest in the track meet or maybe you're the strongest at the moment. And before you know it, well, you can be a little too big for your britches, as my mama used to say. Just, Just for fun. I wonder how many of you or on Instagram, or on Facebook. Do you have an account? I do, and my account is super cool. You're going to want to see my Instagram account. And so a couple years ago, um, I was at um, a training event in San Diego, and Chantel and I, we went uh, to that training event together, and we came across a little flower shop. Uh, Actually, it was just a street vendor, and I came across this incredible piece of beauty that God was sharing with us on a beautiful, beautiful afternoon. It was this sunflower. And I post that on my Instagram uh, feed. And you can go look at it. It's so pretty. I know you're going to want to. Some people said, ooh, that looks like a painting. I'm like, yes, it does. How cool am I? I saw that. I'm going to share it with the world. I'm sharing beauty. Isn't that nice of me? And then Chantel's best friend got married um, not too long ago. And it was in Punta Cana. And so when we went there and, you know, I was working, I just, you know, that kind of work is super hard. You know, you got it. Somebody's got to do it. And so we went there and when we got there, I saw this and I thought, hey, that looks like a postcard. I should take a picture of that. So I did. And then I put it on Instagram. And then, you know what? Some of you like me a little less. And but hey, this is so cool. Look at me. I'm, I'm out there. I'm doing a wedding. I'm, I'm kind of arrogant about it because it's really cool. And then when, you know, when, I, when I'm not doing all that crazy cool stuff, I go and I pray and I do some retreat and spiritual work and I, and I go to a monastery and, and then I see some cool pictures and, and I take the road less traveled. Now, at this point, you all should really not be liking me much at all because I took this one day overnight. It snowed and it was the most beautiful thing I had seen in years. And just at sunset, the sun came and reflected off that pond with the snow around it. And, you know, with just the right filter, at just the right angle, with just enough work, I can almost look like I know what I'm doing. And then you know what happened? I scrolled at some other people's feeds. I look at other photographers like Peter Lick, and I think, I don't know what I'm doing at all. These photos aren't any big deal. And... What I used to think brought me joy or peace now has me depressed and discouraged because I think, well, I could never take a photo like they could take it. I just got lucky with some really beautiful things that were there and I happened to come across it. And the very thing that I thought was such a blessing is now a piece of discouragement if I compare it to the millions of other photographs online. Maybe you get that. You see, comparison leaves us depressed and discouraged when we don't measure up. 
when I don't know the right filter to use, or uh, next thing you know, I need to buy some new editing software so I can make it look more cool, or do this or do that, because I'm not measuring up to someone else who doesn't even know I'm trying to compete with them. How silly is that? You see, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Yep, Miss Megan was absolutely right about that when she said that to the kids. A heart at peace, it gives us life and joy, but when we compare ourselves to others, it just sucks the life right out of us. It rots our bones. It's a very strong metaphor for good reason. Now, these words... Uh, This wisdom literature that we find in Ecclesiastes and Proverbs uh, was written more than 3,000 years ago. So think about this. Envy ruins relationships and has for more than 3,000 years. This is not a new problem. And you're probably not going to manage it well just on your own. The the writer of Ecclesiastes, many people think it was King Solomon. I don't know if he wrote it or if somebody wrote it in his name. But in any case, there's a lot of wisdom there. And there was a lot of riches and wealth around King Solomon, more than anybody else at that time. And so if there was somebody that knew about wealth and comparison and things, it was King Solomon and the writer of Ecclesiastes. Uh, And it might be the same person. We're not sure. And so here it is. In Ecclesiastes 4, it says this, And I saw that all toil, all work, and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another, trying to keep up with the Joneses, trying to keep up with the neighborhood. And see, everyone then and everyone now is looking around and comparing themselves to everyone else. Doesn't that sound contemporary? Doesn't that sound like Edmund? Everyone is looking around and comparing themselves to everyone else. What neighborhood are you in? What school do you go to? What team are your kids on? Where do you work? It's been true for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And because this is true for everyone, not just for some... Andy Stanley says it like this. I think he's exactly right. He says, envy is not a problem to solve. No, let's not kid ourselves. We're not going to just solve it in this sermon. Sorry to disappoint you. Envy is not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. It will always be with us. It does not go away. It is something that we have to manage day in and day out over and over and over and over again. And just when you think you're past it, boom, it's right back on you. You see, this way of life of comparison, it's ridiculous. It's meaningless. That's what that means in the Bible. It's absolutely just silly. This way of life is as ridiculous as chasing after the wind. Scripture says this too is meaningless, ridiculous, silly, as chasing after the wind. You see, friends, chasing after the wind is a waste of time. Envy is a waste of your life because your time is your life, isn't it? Think about this. Chasing the wind is a waste of time. And envy is a waste of your life because your time is your life. Don't lose the one life that you've been given. Live it to the full. Be content. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Be free in this moment today. God loves you and wants you to enjoy your life. There's no sense in being miserable right in the middle of your blessing. So, friends, chasing the wind is endless. There's no finish line. No peace. No contentment. And this is gut-wrenching when you realize that you're never done, you're never finished, you're never satisfied, you're always hungry, you are hurting for more in your bones. There's always someone bigger, always someone better, always someone faster, always someone stronger, richer, wittier, better looking. This is a recipe for disaster and dissatisfaction. 
every time. Guaranteed. Never at rest. Always chasing the wind. And if you've ever watched one of those videos of somebody chasing the wind, they just look silly. Now I have a confession to make. I went to Costco last week and there was this lady <laughs> and it was windy and she was too cool to use a cart. So her hands were all full. And I mean, I don't know what her deal was, but whatever. She dropped something. It was pretty light and the wind was up. And you know how this goes. Um, it was on and I loved it. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't tell you that, but it was so funny because she had all their stuff and then she saw it and then she went to do this. You know how you do that? And it blew and right. And she saw it and she ran and she tried to step on it again and it went and she was just like, boom. And she got it and then she didn't know how to pick it up. And, and she was just stuck because she was so full of blessings but she wasn't going to let this one other blessing go. And she chased it and chased it and chased it. And you know this. This is what chasing the wind looks like. It's very silly. It's very, very silly. You look ridiculous when you chase the wind. When you compare yourself to someone that doesn't even know you're competing with them, it looks ridiculous. And there it was. I tell you this story as if I'm some sort of hero. I could have helped her, but no, I just watched. It was hilarious. But there it is. Comparison never allows for compassion. As long as we're comparing ourselves to someone else, compassion is at bay because comparison and envy are completely self-centered. You can't help anybody else when you're in envy because it's all about you catching up. You can't help people when you're in jealousy. It's just an ugly, ugly emotion. But let me be clear about what the Bible is not saying. It's not saying be lazy. So the, the wisdom goes on in Ecclesiastes. It says this in verse 5. Fold their hands. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. This isn't about prayer. It, it's referring to someone who does not work, who refuses to work. They know what they need to do. They just fold their hands. They don't do it. They wait for somebody else to do it. And the Bible says, no, no, no. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about giving you a pass of doing your part. It's important that we do our part. But it's more likely that we won't do our part if we think we're getting a raw deal and we're envious of others. So in my footnote in my study Bible, it says this. When it came to this phrase, the dead and the yet to be born are better off than those given to rivalry and envy. If your life is all about competing with other people, if your life is never good enough because you're envying and jealous of others, the Bible says it would be better for you not to be born. It'd be better for you to have already lived your life because that's not a life at all. It is a living death. It is misery. So here's what the Bible is trying to get to us thousands of years later for us to really understand. And that is that neither laziness nor overachievement is profitable. And friends, I've done both. And I can tell you there's no fun in either. You feel bad when you're lazy and you feel unappreciated when you overachieve. It's just ridiculous. It's silly. It's chasing the wind. And there's no peace there. So what the Bible is not talking about, it's not talking about being inspired. Sometimes we can look at someone else's life and we can look at their kindness. We can look at their generosity. We can look at their accomplishments and really go, wow, that's possible. Look, I might be able to live my life like that. I might be able to grow into that. I might to have, have some Christ-likeness in me like that. And it's great to be inspired. It's great to be encouraged. But that is a far cry from envy and jealousy and comparison 
that leaves us discouraged and depressed. So what the Bible is saying is this. Better one handful with tranquility, with peace, with kindness, with contentment, with rest, than two handfuls with struggle, with anxiety, with chaos, with toil, with chasing after the wind. You see, less is actually more when it leads to contentment. Will you say that with me? Less is actually more when it leads to contentment. When's the last time you were content? When you just sat with your family or your friends in your home or at a park, and you said, like, you know what? I don't need any more of this. This is perfect. I don't need another square foot. I don't need a newer car. I don't need better behaved kids. I don't need anything. The Lord has given me everything I need, and I am thankful. I'm grateful. Because thankfulness and gratitude bring joy and peace and life. See, less is actually more when it leads to contentment. It's better to have dad at home at six and at peace, isn't it? At a joyful meal surrounded with the family than a dad with two handfuls of responsibilities and chaos who when he gets home is still in the driveway, still in the car, still on the phone, stressed out, short-tempered with those that he is to love and cherish the most. It can be true for moms too. So let me ask you a question. Are you trying to keep up with someone you will never keep up with? That is a recipe for misery. That is a temptation for all of us. Are you, are you trying to keep up with someone or please someone who maybe is not even alive? To please someone who can't be pleased? To keep up with someone who just by their last name uh, or who they were born into, simply had a few hundred yards ahead of you head start. It's a real thing. You might want to just thank God for what you have and be at peace. Because you see, when you have peace in yourself, it brings peace to those around you. And that's a beautiful gift. A more negative way of saying it, you've probably heard before, and that is that upset people, well, they upset people. I'm always trying to be really careful around upset people that they don't upset me and upset others because upset people upset people. It's the way it works. Envy will get the best of you if you allow it, but you don't have to. You don't have to. You can say to envy, no. You can quit scrolling. You're like, you know what? When I get on Facebook, I feel miserable. Get off Facebook. You can say, well, when, when I'm watching this or watching that, well, then don't watch that. Quit looking at that. Quit looking at those countertops in that magazine. Quit looking at the car, the brand new car in the church parking lot. Quit looking at those kids on vacation or who made the honor roll, who got a scholarship, who have a better dorm room than your kid does or, or maybe than you do. You know, the athletic ones, the ones that look great. And you think, oh, my gosh, we'll never measure up. Well, quit measuring against people you're not in competition with. The Bible says better one handful with peace and contentment and joy and all the goodness of life than grasping and gasping your whole life for more than you need anyway. So here's some really important questions, friends. Really important for your life. What's really driving me? And as for years, I was the 
primary and sole provider for our family. And it was a real easy temptation to say, well, what's driving me is to care for my family. Well, it was in that same very season that what my family may have and probably needed most from me was my presence. And sometimes I wasn't there because I was trying to provide for my family. Maybe you've been there too. And the thing is, we, it may be true that we provide for our families, but it may also be true that we're trying to keep up with our brother or our sister or what our dad thinks we should be doing or what our mom thinks we should be doing or what grandpa thinks we should be doing or what our best friend is already doing and we don't know how he got there because he's not that smart. All those things. Friends, we have to get honest about what's really driving us not what we think other people think is driving us. So again, the wisdom from Ecclesiastes says this. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun, silliness. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. Now that's a tell because what that means is he had no one to leave his stuff to because in that culture at that time, you couldn't leave anything to women. It had to go to your brother or son and he didn't have any of that. So there was no end to his toil. He worked and worked and worked, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And then he has to ask, for whom am I toiling? Why am I doing all this work? I don't even have anybody to leave this to. So even when there's no one to inherit the wealth, people are driven, aren't we? Well, why? What's driving you? And as a pastor and as a person trying to help you in your life, to follow God's call on your life, we have a really important question, and that is, are you called or are you driven? You see, a calling has peace and a path and a pull. A drive has a push and a panic. It's a big difference. We need to be able to discern the difference between a calling and a drive. A calling has you asking, what could happen If I do this, what might God do? What could happen if I step into this? And a drive has you asking, what happens if I don't? If I don't do that, what happens to my family? What happens to my friends? What happens to my job? What happens to my status? What happens to my reputation? And then the wisdom literature asks one more question. Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Why am I keeping myself so busy, so working, that I'm not even stopping to smell the roses or have dinner or work through lunch or whatever it is? And again, we're not talking about laziness. We're just talking about a sane life that brings peace and joy and contentment to those around us as well as ourselves. The writer of Ecclesiastes, again, he says, Why am I toiling? For whom am I toiling? And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is silliness, meaningless, a miserable life, a miserable business. Why would you do that? And as you know, um, when something really speaks into my life, I want to share it with you. When it speaks to me, I know it will speak to you, or it often does. And in Andy Stanley's sermon series, he said this, and I want to share it with you. He says, you cannot compete or compare your way to peace. Will you say that with me? You cannot compete or compare your way to peace. It doesn't work that way. So here are three things you can do this week that I think will bless you and make your life better. And it will help you push back envy. It'll keep it away. It'll keep it from getting the best of you. Number one, count your blessings. 
Really, before you go to bed, just write them down. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. I love that old hymn. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. It brings gratitude. It brings thankfulness. It brings joy into your home. The second thing is to celebrate someone else. Get your eyes off yourself, off your own selfishness and off your own situation long enough to celebrate. Look, if your sister is teacher of the year, mine is, for her district, celebrate that. Tell everyone. Put it online. I just did. It's awesome. Celebrate them. There's no sense to be envious of our siblings or our parents or our friends. Celebrate them. Lift them up. Say hi. Hi, Deb. And celebrate them. It's a wonderful thing, and it'll make you feel better, too. And then thirdly, please, friends, with all that I am, I'm asking you, don't miss the life God has for you by looking at everyone else's. Really, don't miss the beautiful, wonderful race, life, and lane that God has for you because you're looking at everybody else's. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.